Chapter 9 Once I lay in the street in tears because the Nazis are everywhere and no grown-ups can protect kids from them. Not Mum and Dad, not Mother Minka, not Father Ludwig, not God, not Jesus, not the Virgin Mary, not the Pope, not Adolf Hitler. Then I look up and see that I'm wrong. Here's one doing it now. A big man in a scuffed leather jacket has his hand on Zelda's shoulder and is pleading with the Nazi officer in a foreign language. I think he's speaking Nazi, which is strange because he's wearing a Jewish armband. The Nazi officer lets go of Zelda's hair and raises his gun and points at the man's head. The man doesn't weep or grovel. He lifts up the leather bag he's carrying, which is also fairly scuffed, and holds it in front of the Nazi officer's face. Why is he doing that? The Nazi officer glances at the bag, still looking bored. He raises his other hand, grabs a tuft of the man's beard and twists it hard with his leather glove. The man stands there and lets him. The local people watching all laugh and cheer. The man looks sad, but ignores them. After a very long twist, the Nazi officer turns and walks away. He goes over to the crowd of Jewish people who are still crying and shouting because some of them have been shot and their children are still being put into the truck. He goes up behind a woman and points a gun at the back of her head. I try to scramble up so I can go over and stop the Nazi officer. I can't stay on my feet. I'm too dizzy. I fall back down onto my knees. The Nazi officer shoots the woman. Oh. Zelda screams. The man turns her away from the horrible sight and starts to take her off through the crowd of gawking locals. No, yells Zelda. I'm not going without Felix. She struggles and kicks. The man turns and stares at me. He looks very weary, as if he's having his beard twisted and seeing innocent people being shot to death is a bad enough. And the last thing he needs is a kid who can't stand up and has just started vomiting. I tried to tell him I'm looking for my mum and dad, but more vomit comes out and the whole street goes spinning away from me. I wake up with a painful light flickering in my eyes. It's a candle flame. Mother Minka always has a candle when she comes into the dormitory at night to give Marek a detention for going to bed with no pyjamas on or to whack Boris for throwing Marek's pyjamas out of the window or to I sit up in panic. Am I back in the orphanage? I don't want to be. I need to find mum and dad. I need to warn them. I need to. A big hairy hand pushes me gently back down. It's not mother Minka. It's a man with a beard looking down at me, frowning. I've seen him somewhere before. Are you Father Ludwig? I say. My throat hurts. My skin is burning. The man shakes his head. He wipes my face with a damp cloth. Try and rest, he says. I can see now he isn't Father Ludwig, but I don't know who else he could be. Then I remember the man with the magic bag, but he's not speaking Nazi anymore. Suddenly a girl is looking down at me too. He's Barney, she says. Don't you know anything? I know who this girl is, but before I can say her name, everything spins away again. I wake up in darkness. Panic smothers me. My notebook, I yell. I've lost my notebook. My throat still hurts. My whole body feels cold, except my head. It's on fire. Somebody lights a candle. 
A silver heart is glinting in front of my eyes. It's on a chain hanging from the girl Zelda's neck as she looks down at me, concerned. He thinks he's lost his notebook, she says. The man who's not Father Ludwig is also looking down at me, also concerned. Your notebook is safe, he says. So are your letters, says Zelda. We threw your hat away. Here, says the man, drink. He puts a metal cup to my lips. I sip some water. It makes me cough, which makes my head hurt a lot. Is Felix going to die, whispers Zelda to the man. The man doesn't say anything, just looks more worried. Now my head feels even worse. I have to find mum and dad. They know how to make me better. I remember Nazis have got them. Panic swamps me again. If only mum and dad hadn't put me in the stupid orphanage. If only they'd let me stay with them. I could have protected them somehow. I want to sit up to ask the man to help me find them. But I'm so weak and giddy. I don't know where up is. Far off I can hear Zelda demanding to know if I'm going to die. Please, I whisper to the darkness. Find my parents. I hope the man can hear me. They're in danger, I croak. Really bad danger. Don't believe the notebook. The stories in the notebook aren't true. I wake up to the sound of someone crying. It's not me. I want to go home, sobs a give voice. Zelda? No, it's a boy. I open my eyes. A few thin needles of daylight are stabbing me through the dark. They make my eyes sting, but I don't feel like I'm burning up anymore, and my head doesn't hurt so much. I put my glasses on, but I can't see much in the gloom. My bed is a sack stuffed with something soft. Next to me is another sack bed with a crying boy in it. He looks about five. The man who's not Father Ludwig crouches down and gives the boy a hug. I want to go home, Barney, sobs the boy. I know, says the man. I miss them, says the boy. The man gently smooths the boy's hair. I know, Henrik, he says. One day you'll be with your mummy and daddy until I look after you, I promise. The boy sniffs, but he stopped crying. Cry some more if you want to, says the man. Ruth will hold you. A girl about my age with curly hair steps forward and puts an arm round the boy. The boy wipes his face on his sleeve. I've finished now, he says. Barney turns to me and puts his hand on my forehead. Good, he says. Much better. You're doing well, Felix. He hands me a metal cup with something hot in it. Soup. I put the cup down, roll over angry and close my eyes. This man Barney is an idiot. You don't tell a kid he'll find his parents one day. One day doesn't mean anything. If you don't know when they're coming... You let the kid go and look for them now. I want to shout at the man, but I don't because Dodie reckons it's pointless shouting at idiots. Plus, it would probably hurt my throat. Instead, I ignore the man's hand on my back and try to tell myself a story to cheer myself up. A story about a kid who finds his parents in the city and takes them to the desert island with cake shops where they live happily ever after. It's no good. When I when I close my eyes, all I can see is Nazi soldiers shooting people, including kids who just want a lift on the country road. What if mum and dad waved to an army truck on their way to the city? 
I don't want to think about it. If you tell yourself stories like that, you could end up crying. Felix, a hand is shaking me gently. I keep my eyes closed for a while, then I open them. Barney is crouching by my bed. He's holding my notebook. Felix, he says, do you mind if I read one of your stories to the others? I put my glasses on and look around, squinting in the, in the candlelight. My bed is surrounded. There's Barney and Zelda and the little boy who was crying and the girl with curly hair. There's also a boy a bit younger than me who's chewing the end of a piece of wood. A girl a bit older than me with a bang, bandaged arm. A toddler with half its hair missing and the boy about my age who's blinking his eyes non-stop and hugging the dirtiest teddy bear I've ever seen. Just... Stay if you don't want me to, says Barney. We understand if your stories are private, but Zelda has told us what a good storyteller you are, and a few people are having got missing parents, and I think they'd enjoy hearing one. I would, says the girl with the bandage jar. I would, said the little boy who was crying. I would, says the girl with the curly hair. No, I say. They all look at me disappointed. Felix, says... Zelda crossly. We all want to hear your stories. Don't you know anything? Barney puts his hand on my shoulder. That's all right, Felix, he says gently. We understand. I can feel myself shaking and I know why. The stories in my notebook are stupid. While I was writing, Mum and Dad were being chased all over Europe by the Nazis and being captured. Those stories are obviously important to you, says Barney. No, they're not, I think bitterly. Not anymore. Anyway, says Barney, we're very glad to have you and Zelda living with us, aren't we, everyone? Yes, said the girl with the bandaged arm. So does Henrik and the girl with the curly hair and the toddler. The chewing wood boy just keeps chewing his wood and the blinking boy just keeps blinking. As I look around at their faces, I can see how disappointed they are not to be hearing a story. Too bad, Zelda says Barney. How about we tell telling us a story? Zelda sits up straight and smooths her tattered dress down over her knees. I'm glad to see she's not still wearing her damp pyjamas. Once upon a time, she says, two children lived in a cast in the mountains. She pauses, gives me a look to show me she's still cross, then continues. Their names were Zelda and William. Thank you for listening. That was chapter nine.